This is Texas Soccer Radio. My name is Kyle Mankey. His name is Larry Leathers. We're going to be talking all things San Antonio FC, as well as soccer across the state and across North America, like we always do every week, Thursday night, 10 p.m. on Periscope at TX Soccer Radio. You can join us live. It is a fun time, usually. So hi to all our Periscope viewers. Uh, Thanks for hanging out. Um, On this episode, a little bit later, we're going to have an interview from Christian Smith, uh, a.k.a. C.A. Smith, uh, from Hudson River Blue, which is NYCFC's SB Nation uh, blog, or SB Nation's NYCFC blog. There you go. Um, And and he's going to give us a little insight to the MLS club, uh, and uh, Sebastian Viaga's potential chances of making that squad and how he might fit. So uh, it was a really good chat. We'll look forward to that a little bit later in the show. But first things first, Larry, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good. I spent my entire day fiddling with a new TV. My wife finally caved and gave into her wedding promise. <laughs> her wedding promise to get me a new television. So... <laughs> No, 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 really though. She, she a few months before I, I proposed to her, she uh, said that when I put a ring on her finger, I could get a new television. And there you go. we got engaged, what, over a year ago in December, and <laughs> we got married in October, and I just got my television now. So that's the way to go. I'm super man. excited. When When we got married a few years ago, we had to make the decision on if we wanted to like have a really like, nice honeymoon away from Texas and, you know, doing all sorts of fun stuff. Or if we wanted to get a new TV and we're like, "Eh, we watch a lot of TV. So (laughs) and there it still sits here uh, five plus years later. So uh, maybe, maybe I'll make it out of Texas one of these weeks. But (laughs) speaking of honeymoons, mine's coming up on that one too. We're doing that a little late. We are, are actually in a month from now, I will be sitting in St. Lucia. So I'm ready. I'm ready to get out of here. Yeah. That'll be nice. Yeah. So uh, a little preemptive heads up to any of our listeners that are with us every week. Uh, February is going to be a little spotty because I'm going to be out of town for one week and Larry's going to be out of town one week. So we may not be together, but we will uh, do our best to make sure we have at least some sort of content up for you for those weeks. I'm going to try to do a short solo periscope on the week you are gone. Um, We'll figure out what we can do with getting something together for you on the week that I'm out of town. Um, Yeah, we'll figure something out. We'll make sure something's there for people. That'll be good. We'll have something. So first things first though, let's talk about tonight and this week and what's going on. Um, I'm sipping on some revolver brewing blood and honey American ale um brewed in granbury texas up by fort worth um fucking delicious beer um but the name blood and honey i don't want blood in the name of my drink it's referring to the blood orange i think but (laughs) hey as long as it tastes good that's all that matters that that it does that it does so um let's hit um that biggest news of the week first where um I believe we were the first ones other than the team to post that former San Antonio FC captain slash center back slash USL defender of the year for 2017, Sebastian Abiaga, uh, earned himself a place on NYCFC's preseason uh, trial, 
NYCFC's preseason roster as a trialist. There we go. Um, so Larry, what do you think about that as a San Antonio FC fan? And, you know, how, how does that make you feel? I've got some mixed feelings about it personally. I mean, mixed feelings are kind of what comes with this territory. Obviously, uh, we've had the affiliation with NYCFC over this past season, whether it's continuing into this next season, we don't know yet. We haven't heard an official word from the team, um, but they're doing it the right way. At least they didn't call them up middle of the season last year and be like, hey, we want to <laughs> we want, we use you now. Uh, they waited to the offseason, give them a chance to try out with the team. And I, I'm excited for them. You know, you want to see the guys on our team get that opportunity at the next level. Preferably, it would be happen- happening at the next level here in San Antonio. Um, we still don't have an answer on that. We probably won't for a while. But I'm excited for them. But I, I hope, I, I don't know, I want to see them back. <laughs> I, it's a little selfish. I want him on the team because he's such a big part of our, our defense. Uh, but I will be happy for him if he manages to land a role with significant playing time up in New York. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't want to see him leave just to ride the bench, right? Um, I don't know. I, I'm happy for him. It's exciting. And, you know, it's exactly what you want <clears throat> for your top USL players is to get a shot with the MLS club, but uh, as a fan, you know, he was, he was a really cool dude to, to chat with whenever I got to. Um, and, and on the field, he seemed like he was a leader. He was definitely coaching some of the players on the field and, and wore the captain's armband a couple of times. So um, I would definitely miss him uh, from a, a personality standpoint. Um, you would hope that if um, NYCFC took Ibiaga from San Antonio's roster maybe we would get um, something in return. Um, you, If you were one of the dozens of people that paid attention to the MLS Super Draft, um, <laughs> I'm sure there's like 12 people out there. But yeah. uh, NYCFC took a center back in the second round, which is kind of interesting. Uh, AJ Patterson, I believe is his name. Yep. So it'd be pretty cool if uh, SA lost Ibiaga, if they could get Patterson back, kind of a high-level prospect and somebody that could potentially be at that MLS level one day. But I mean, the question is, is center back. I mean, AJ Patterson coming down, it's a pretty crowded position here on our team. Obviously, he's still young. He's, I mean, he's in the super draft. So he's got a long career ahead of him still. And he, I mean, he'd be fighting for, for time. I don't know how much time he'd get on the field here down here in San Antonio. Yeah, I feel like, so with the San Antonio roster in general, I feel like the starting 11 is really solid. Um, But after that, there's kind of a drop-off of um, not a lot of depth. It's uh, like a lot of really high-level starters and then kind of some prospect-type players, um, Alex Bruce and Connor Presley. Not to say that they're not talented, um, just that they're kind of unproven, if you will. So. Um, maybe having that depth wouldn't be the worst thing, especially, you know, the injury bug always seems to find us midsummer, right? I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the worst thing to have the depth, but he's another unproven prospect. Like it's not, it's not anything different than what we already have with (laughs) Presley and Bruce. It's just another young gun that we don't really know what he's got yet fully. Yeah. Um, And how much would we see him if, you know, our, our center center backs are able to stay healthy and, and play throughout the whole season. You may not see him at all. He may just be a bench rider. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And it's possible. Um, now that we have the USL season schedule, 
um, which I should plug on 210soccer.com. Um, Jonathan Check wrote a really nice piece kind of breaking down San Antonio FC's USL schedule, some of the anomalies that you might see there, and some interesting little tidbits. So definitely check that out if you haven't already, 210soccer.com, uh, a little write-up by Mr. Jonathan Check. You can follow him on Twitter at CheckJFooty. Uh, he's been one of the uh, solid contributors over the last two-plus years. So um, anyway, <clears throat> now that we have that schedule out, we can kind of see some of the crowded parts and you can imagine if San Antonio goes farther into the USL and the U S open cup rather um, you know, those, those midweek matchups can take the toll on, on people. So it never hurts to have depth. Yeah, no, no, no. The depth, the depth is welcomed. Um, but like I said, it's just more unproven, un, unproven players. Don't know what yeah. we're going to get out of them. Yeah. And it's not even a done deal. Ibiaga may be back. It may not be anything at all. Could be. We'll, we'll find out in the next few weeks. Yeah. Yeah, we, we'll find out really soon because um, I believe players report tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, Friday. Um, if not this week, then definitely next week. So um, SAFC preseason training camp is getting ready to get underway. So I'm pretty excited to get out there and see what we can see whenever the media is allowed to do so. But Definitely. Yeah, man, I'm so excited. I feel like January flew by. Like It did. It absolutely did. October, November, December. I love Christmas time. I love the holidays. Um, but it was, you know, it was a long time without soccer. And now January, I feel like it's still the beginning. And, and damn, it's almost over. That's crazy. We're going to be into the thick of it really quick here. I mean, what, <laughs> March 17th is the season opener for SAFC. We're a little over a month and a half away. It's, it's sneaking up on us here really yeah. fast. Yeah. Can't wait. Um, <clears throat> we're going to have to do some live shows before then. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, but tonight, Thursday night, there was a season ticket member event, um, a little rampage hockey for all of the SAFC season ticket members, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm not a season ticket member, and obviously I'm guessing you couldn't make it since you're sitting here chatting with me instead of at the Rampage game. Um, But it's still cool that they do that, and it's cool that they have the ability to do that with Spurs Sports Entertainment having multiple teams. It looked like it was a good time tonight. Maxie was out there. Alex Bruce was out there. They were riding Zambonis and stuff, so (laughs) it seemed like everybody had a pretty good time. I am determined to get Maxi Rodriguez on this podcast at some point this year. That guy, you know, he's, he seems like a character from all the videos that we've seen and everything. We will find a way. We'll make it happen. <laughs> um, the only other little bit of SAFC chatter that I wanted to cover tonight, and maybe this is a little bit of a, a soapbox. I'm going to try to not make it a soapbox and make it more of a discussion, but um the Soccer Factory and SAFC released um, some new shirts this week. They're white shirts with the red and the, the text logo and all that. Uh, and a big Nike swoosh on the male version. Um, I'm not crazy about them. And it it kind of brought around the point of, I feel like a lot of the SAFC merch is not particularly exciting um i love the kits i think the the jerseys are awesome but is that just me am i crazy like i I feel like it's really hard to find a really cool safc shirt 
you're you're not wrong most of the stuff is pretty plain in general just a logo slapped on a shirt um there's a few you know crazier designs here and there but even them they're pretty tame in general and there's some really cool merch coming out of some of these other teams that i I know phoenix sticks out in my head they've got some great shirts coming out of phoenix Um, it'd be nice to see some different different merch uh still gonna push my hats i need hats (laughs) We need Darren Powell's hat. I don't know. Come on. Just we got track jackets out of the way now. And even those were pretty plain, but give us hats. I I appreciate the fact that they went out of their way to put the soft shell jackets on sale and then the track jackets after everyone bitched about the soft shell jackets. (laughs) I man, this fan base cares a lot. And that's something that you don't get at a lot of USL teams. So it's uh it's a good thing. It's a good problem to have that fans want better merch and want quality merch. But I'm not a designer. I don't have any suggestions. I'm just totally useless and complaining. But I I hope we see something new this year. It's not even that it's not quality merch because it is. I mean, they're all, you know, they're high quality shirts. They're most yeah. of them are Nike shirts and they're they're nice shirts. The jerseys are nice. It's just they're plain. They're mostly just logos slapped on the front. And that's, that's, that's it. Did you see the, the Miami Heat jerseys that they came out with? The Vice City jerseys? <laughs> They're the, the best jerseys ever for NBA. They are amazing. Whoever, whoever was in charge of that one, let them design everybody's stuff for, for basketball because that blows. I think we talked about it a little bit before in one of the other yeah, podcasts. It blows the Military City USA jerseys that the Spurs got out of the water. Like, that's Nike, too. Like, Nike can do some cool shit when, you know, the inspiration's there, the, or the effort, or the money, or all of the above, whatever it is. But, man, that – God, I love that shit, man. I, I can't help but assume that it's somebody at the teams is, you know, vetting all the designs and saying, this is kind of what we're looking for. Let's roll with something like this. And, you know, and Nike's coming up with something that the team wants. So. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how the process works, but you know, you you got the stripes in the crest. You have a lot to work with. I don't know. It, it just not excited. Anyway, like I said, I didn't want to stay on that soapbox for too long, but I'm hoping that we get something cool this year and I will throw money at my computer to order it and get it to my house far, far away. And I mean, we still hopefully kit reveal coming up here soon hopefully we have to right like seasons a month and a half away I, i'm pretty sure i saw the team say something about it coming up just a little response to somebody else's question about if we were going to get player announcements or anything this week <laughs> and a kit was mentioned maybe which we didn't we didn't get any player announcements this week did we no quiet really quiet. quiet week from that right so that's that why we're talking about merch <laughs> <laughs> Give us player announcements or we'll complain about clothes. Texas Soccer Radio. Um, On that note, um, if you're listening to the audio version, the non-live, non-Periscope version of this show, um, there's going to be a little break here. And then we are going to put in that Christian Smith interview uh, from Hudson River Blue. uh, Talking about NYCFC and talking about Sebastian Viaga's chances of making the team. Um, So stick around for that if you're listening to the podcast version of the show. If you're with us on Periscope, we're going to keep rolling. Um, So either way, thanks for hanging out. And uh, we'll be right back if you're listening to the podcast version.
And we're joined now with Christian Smith from Hudson River Blue, SB Nation's NYCFC uh, blog, NYCFC-centric blog, um, that I'm going to have a small role with, I think, going forward. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, Christian, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm really excited to have you on. I'm doing great. I'm excited to be on. Thank you for having me. So we uh, we didn't see a whole lot of the San Antonio FC, NYCFC affiliation have tangible on-field um, results <laughs> last year. So, um, you know, didn't have a lot to talk about with that. But now we've got Sebastian Abiaga in uh, uh, preseason camp as a trialist. There's a couple rumors out there about uh, a little bit more of a NYCFC, SAFC connection. Um, but... Let's uh, let's start with 2017. If you could um, give us any insight to how the NYCFC season went last year, um, where the club finished, and just kind of the overall feeling watching the club for the season. Uh, if you feel like it was a success or, or room to improve, or kind of what your thoughts were on the 2017 season. Sure. Um, well, the 2017 uh, NYCFC season was very much, I think you could call a mixed bag. Um, obviously the numbers were there, the results were there, um, early on in the season, we looked to perhaps be one of the, if not the best, um, MLS team, uh, in the league. But, um, obviously as the second half of the season came on, New York city FC's gold, uh, goal scoring just went cold and, uh, Toronto just basically set a pace that just nobody was like, was realistically going to be able to, um, um, keep up with and, um, and mix that in with the disaster that was the first leg of the uh, um, Eastern Conference semifinals against Columbus Crew. Um, uh, it just, uh, I think um, it, it's fair to say that the 2017 season was promising. However, it wasn't, it, it's not what this club was looking for. We are looking to be uh, one of the top clubs are looking to be challenging Toronto and, you know, the best from the West and all those, and, and all those teams. And uh, luckily I think we've made the decisions and uh, have moved around the pieces as such to possibly do better in 2018, hopefully willingly. <laughs> That's always the goal, right? Hopefully yeah, is always. Um <laughs> If you could, could you kind of characterize the style of soccer that fans see from NYCFC? Is it more like in San Antonio FC, for example, you know, if a game ends with more than one goal scored, it's pretty exciting because it's a very defensive minded squad. So can you kind of take us through what a typical NYCFC game looks like, uh, ideally? Uh, a typical NYCFC game definitely uh, has New York City have the lion's share in possession. They are a very possession-based team, but um, uh, but um, on the contrary, despite the fact that they're heavy into possession, they do score a lot of goals. That, that's always been this club's identity since even the inaugural season of 2015. Scoring goals has never really been a problem for New York City FC. But very, very possession-based. They like to play from the back, which is why um, – um, Patrick Vieira was so um, uh, willing to go out and get Sean Johnson last year to to uh, come in and be in net for us. Um, also, why he is uh, why they drafted a goalkeeper in the first round of the MLS Super Draft this year. 
um, to, much to everybody's surprise, but that is how um, anal Patrick Vieira is about his play from the back system. Uh, it, it's just, it, it's a lifestyle. It, it, it truly is for this club. And playing from the back, heavy possession. Um, it, it is not alien to see New York City have 60% plus possession, even in losses. That's just how we play. Gotcha. Um, that's, that's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I know with Yankee Stadium, the dimensions are a little bit different. Does that play into any of that at all? Because it's a more narrow field, right? Than yeah, it is. It, it's, very, it's very narrow, but um, to their credit, um, I, I, I would think that um, it has a huge um, impact on how they play because New York City FC, if you look at the past uh, – uh, since 2016, they're practically unbeatable at home. Yeah. Uh, I think they only lost two games at home all year in 2017. That, that uh, you know, uh, don't quote me on that. It might be, you know, three or so, but right. there was, a, there was a, a period of time where they won over 10 games in a row at home, yeah. even when they were struggling on the road. So what does the 2018 roster look like so far? I know, obviously, it's very early in the preseason process and everything else, but um, is it a lot of returning players? Are there a lot of players who, you know, had their options declined and won't be back or kind of a mixed bag? Uh, There was definitely a lot of players whose options were declined and they aren't coming back. Uh, Among those, um, the one that surprised me the most was uh, right back Andres Struna, who came in very, very late into the season last year um but um apparently that was just a short-term deal they have not to my knowledge reached out to him to re-sign him but um there was uh, i think um uh 12 roster cuts in total uh this offseason but they have um they have built up the roster they brought on uh anton tinnerholm from uh from malmo um who won uh sweden's defender of the year last year and is um and and does have um um, plentiful amount of appearances for the Swedish national team. They also uh, brought in a forward, uh, Joe Inge Burgett, also from Malmo. So there's a connection there. They brought in Ismail Chajori from um, uh, Austrian Vienne. Uh, they brought in a center back, Cedric Hamtaunji, um, who uh, I think was playing in the second in, in League Two in France. And they've also brought in young DP, uh, Jesus Medina from Paraguay, who is uh, 20 years old. They're obvi- they gave him a four-year deal. Um, there was rumors that he was actually going to go to Manchester City and that City Football Group was going to put him on loan to New York City. However, uh, apparently New York City got the, uh, the better end of that deal and signed him to a four-year designated player contract. So if Manchester City wants him before we're done with him, they're going to have to pay for him. And uh, we also um, brought in uh, Saeed Abdul-Salam uh, from Sporting Kansas City in exchange for um, – uh, 2015 MLS Super Draft pick Kyrie Shelton. So there's a lot of changes that are going on as well. Um, and um, we even got some trialists and some academy guys up here right now for uh, for preseason camp. So there's a, there's a lot of change that is happening. However, I think most fans will be um, excited and uh, optimistic at these changes. So knowing that all of those changes are coming in, it sounds like there's some real experience that has come in, especially on the defensive sure. third. Um, yeah. A guy like Sebastian Viaga, is there room for another center back on this team? <laughs> I would think so because um, 
when it comes to depth, um, Cedric Hontaungi is really the only like um, pure center back piece that we've brought in this off season. Also um, today, um, Vieira actually um, was talking to, um, I, um, I think Dylan Butler, um, who uh, works for MLSsoccer.com. And uh, he, um, they asked him about uh, uh, Sebastian by name. And he said, when you, and he said, and I quote, when, when you bring the best defender in the USL last year, that means he has something really interesting. His first few days, he's been really good. He's tough. He's really strong. He has really good pace. He's doing good. End quote. Um, we saw last year um, with trials, uh, Ben Sweat, who came from the, the Rowdies, um, he ended up with a contract at the end of the preseason. And uh, he was, he filled in for left back Ronald Matarita for much of the season uh, when he went down with injury and became a, basically a cult hero um, on this club. And um, also filled in very valiantly at center back when in the second leg of the Eastern Conference semifinals against Columbus after Alex Collins got sent off in the first game, in the first leg. And um, there is absolute, if you were to ask me, I think there's absolutely space for him um, here in the five boroughs. Um, obviously, he's got plenty of talent. You know, he won the USL Defender of the Year last year. Um, so it would, be, it would be tough to dismiss him entirely. But however, you do have to take it with a grain of salt because la just last year, we brought in Sean O'Coley. Um, yeah striker and who was the usl mvp the year prior right. and he never really found his footing granted he was he had to play behind david via who is just he's a magician at the number nine position and um but you know you know a aside there's absolutely room for him and i definitely can see him making an impact especially when it comes to the depth of the team i can't say whether or not he would get a starting position you know obviously right but I, 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 I am optimistic about Sebastian. I do think there is space and I do think that he, he, and obviously Vieira believes in him a little bit so far. And we haven't even played a preseason matchup yet. So um, right now it's, it, we're very optimistic about Sebastian. Yeah. That's really interesting that I didn't see that quote from Patrick Varia. That's pretty cool for him to yeah, <laughs> specifically uh, call him out. It, it's something I actually caught just a few hours ago and I was like, wow, um, okay so this kid's already making waves and he's <laughs> right. a trialist in a, in a camp you know we haven't even yeah. played preseason games yet well that that kind of makes it sound like Vieira is open to using usl as a pathway into mls giving akoli a shot last year and uh you know the trialist with sweat and potentially Ibiaga. it's is it kind of a fair characteristic to say that he's open to some of these lesser traditional ways of making the roster as opposed to, you know, signing him as free agents or. I would absolutely think so. I mean, obviously he believes in our Academy system. So um, I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't put it past him to uh, also be a believer possibly in San Antonio, possibly the USL at large. Um, it, it's, it, it's very possible. Also, I think it's good for the game. You know, it, it, I think it speaks volumes you know, should, uh, it, um, how do you pronounce his name again? Ibiagi? Ibiaga, yeah. Ibiaga, okay. Should uh, <laughs> Ibiaga, um, you know, prove valuable to this team in the future, I think it speaks a lot to uh, our lower division system. And, um, and I think in order to make our league more sustainable, there has to be an influx of players from the USL. It just, it, it just has to be. Just like how, you know, in Europe, there's always uh, players moving up and down, you know, the, uh, the lower respective leagues. And I think um, it's absolutely necessary. And I do think Vieira is, is a believer in the system.
Uh, I would have to ask him myself. But if I had right. to guess, I, I would. He's definitely at at the very least, he's willing to give them a chance, and he is willing to give them contracts. So. I mean, that's really cool to hear. Like, obviously, from the San Antonio perspective, we don't want to lose quality players. But absolutely, my point of view is that if San Antonio can provide a pathway to NYCFC or to MLS or you sure. know, anything else, then maybe that benefits San Antonio, too, because you're getting these, quote unquote, fringe MLS players that yeah. uh, are, are trying to impress the guys up in New York. So. And I would also like uh, argue that um, it gives younger players, um, it makes USL look all the more attractive to younger players, especially with, um, you know, the disasters that are happening in NASL and, yeah. you know, uh, and, and such. I definitely can see a lot of players. We, we've seen whole teams jump ship. Yeah, um, right. I, I mean, um, I can definitely see players moving around from, you know, the other leagues in, you know, in, in the United States and even like in leagues in Central and South America and coming to the USL and knowing that this is a place I can get noticed by MLS and play top tier football for decent money and maybe go on to, you know, greener pastures from there. Um, it, 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 in order to make our game sustainable, it has to come from the USL and the leagues below it you know, whoever those leaks may be in the coming future. We'll see. Well, shifting gears just a little bit, I wanted to get your opinion as, you know, someone who has been with the club and covering the club and a fan of the club. Sure. Um, kind of just generally what it's like to be a fan. I know initially there were, you know, a lot of jokes about <laughs> Manchester City and sure. about Yankee Stadium and everything else, but like, what is it like to be a fan of this team and like, you know, day to day? Honestly, uh, I've been into sports my entire life. Um, I, I've been a Yankee fan since birth. I've been a Steelers fan since I was about like 10 years old. Uh, I, I have followed so many teams since I was a little kid. And I can tell you with confidence, there is no team that I love more than New York City FC. It's just, it, 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 it's just, it's, there's something about soccer, football, whatever you want to call it. It's just so much more um, intimate than other sports it because the fans just have such a such a bigger role in the game entirely and um new york city fc has definitely reached out to you know the fan the fans in the five boroughs and even jaded new jersey fans such as myself (laughs) um and have really just opened up the door and um and just have welcomed us welcomed us in with uh open arms pardon me right there um but um also uh like you know, when I grew up, I, I was a fan of the Metro Stars. And then when when the Red Bulls bought, I tried. I tried my hardest, but it just, it was never there. And I, and I didn't watch MLS soccer for about like a good seven years, uh, eight years at all. And then New York City came in and just completely just, you know, they had a good mission statement. Um, obviously, you know, the stadium situation could have been a better addressed in the beginning. However, I... I in reality, I have no complaints. Um, we've been a playoff team for two straight years. Two years out of the three, we've been in the league total. And the future looks even brighter. And, and, and it, it, it gets better each year for me. Like, it, it becomes more intimate. It becomes more fun. It, it's, it, I've never had that moment where I've questioned my fan, fandom of this team. And, um, and, and I love it. I love this team. I, I do. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. <laughs> Now, obviously, there was some complications with Frank Lampard originally, but other than that, has there really been any, 
you know, feelings of Manchester City involved at all? Or does it kind of feel like its own standalone club, separate of anything to do with uh, City Football Group and everything I think it's definitely come off as more of like a symbiotic uh, relationship as opposed to we are a farm team and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, the Lampard situation was obviously very, very complicated and very, very nuanced. And I don't think, I, I, to this day, I still don't think we have the entire story. Yeah. I think there was more at play there. Um, however, um, we, we do get loan players from uh, Manchester City. One of our top players right now, Yangel Herrera, is currently in his second year of a two-year loan from Manchester City. But um, from where I'm sitting, it's been beneficial to us. I mean, we're getting young talent that will one day be hopefully um, leading Manchester city, one of the most prestigious clubs in the world to premier league glory. So, I mean, it's hard to complain as, as a New York city FC fan, because we are getting top young talent for discount prices because of, because of this system we have with Manchester city. It's definitely felt more of a sibling thing as opposed to parent club. And, uh, and, very, very little complaints in the way of that, except for the Lampard situation. Everything's pretty much been, I would say, okay. I mean, Manchester City seems to be doing okay this year. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not, there's uh, definitely worse clubs to be involved with. I Absolutely. Um, well, cool, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on with us, and I definitely don't want to make this the only time that we touch base with, um, with y'all up in, in New York because – even though nothing official has been announced, um, it's all kind of assumed that the San Antonio FC New York City uh, affiliation will probably continue. There's no reason for it to not continue, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, where can people find your work, your writing, or, or anything else that you're doing? Uh, obviously on HudsonRiverBlue.com, um, but do you have any social media or anything like that that people can get pointed to? Um, I do have a Twitter. Um, I am at Christian Sith, um, or that's Sith as in Sith Lord on Twitter. Um, you can find me there. Um, I'm actually just starting to get active on Twitter. So like you can probably tell, um, I think I've only got like, I think I've got less than 30 followers on there right now, but (laughs) honestly, I was always a Facebook guy prior to this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm late to the party, but you can find me there on Twitter. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's really the only social media I have. I'm not a huge, uh, social media guy but you can also find my work uh, i write under the moniker uh, ca smith on uh, hudson river blue um which is really my only job right now and so far i'm loving it so uh yeah you can you can find my work there and you can find me at christian sith on twitter uh soccer twitter is a pretty fun place there's uh <laughs> you're telling me <laughs> Uh, it's a rabbit hole that uh you know maybe i wish i wouldn't have gone down but we're already here so it is the uh it has definitely the best and worst of the uh of this of the soccer community and it worldwide too it's uh it's quite interesting i I think um i think i cringe at least four times a day when i'm going (laughs) through like a hashtag nycfc and just keep the latest on there's a lot of uh a lot of lulzy stuff to say the least uh, i i've i'm i'm familiar we'll, we'll put it that way i can only imagine what it's like in usl i've been the usl subreddit it's uh <laughs> it, yeah. it's quite uh it's quite a polarizing place it's uh it's an interesting place especially anytime you bring up uh promotion relegation and you get ted involved and you know it's sure. 
But um, if, if we may touch upon that for a brief second, I yeah, honestly think that USL um, um, keeping D2 status and uh, NASL kind of getting shoved to the side and being put at D3 um, is probably the most beneficial thing that can happen in the way of um, promotion relegation somewhere down the line. Obviously, it's too early to think about that. You, the league is still expanding. There's still owners who don't want to lose. Who, who want the return on investment first before, you know, any such system can be put in place. However, um, I honestly think with, with, with the, um, the standing relationship between MLS and USL, which at, from a business standpoint looks to be pretty good right now from where I'm sitting. Um, I mean, all of our development clubs are there and, and such and a lot of affiliated clubs and a lot of new exciting clubs. Um, I do think USL success is, um, pivotal and, and um, paramount to um, adopting a, a pro rail system, you know, somewhere down the line, whether it be 10 years, 20 years or beyond. But the success of USL absolutely um, it, it is important in that aspect. So I'm, I'm happy to see USL do well. I, I, I'm trying to watch more games now because I'm just stuck in such like this NYCFC like shell where I'm not even watching my, the clubs I watch overseas anymore right. i'm just i'm just strictly here this is all i care about but uh, i'm gonna definitely try to watch more games because like i said their success is our success yeah i i'm right there with you man like the stability of usl is what's going to potentially make pro rail possible later i don't think it'll happen anytime soon kind of what you were saying but um i you know if it's going to happen, I think this is the best way for it to potentially be there. So uh, I, I do believe that. I mean, I could be wrong. You know, I'm not a you know I'm not a genius when it comes to adopting a pro rail system because you know, obviously we've never had one. But um, right. I, I would love to see it. And I, I like you said, USL success, yeah, is very very a very pivotal part to that. For sure. Well, Christian, I really appreciate it, man, and we will catch up with you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Let's let well first later. Do you have anything else SAFC related? I guess I should ask. No, no, no. Let's, that, that, it's, it was a quiet week, SAFC wise. Quiet, quiet week. It's so quiet. Yeah, I'm so ready. Um, so a couple bits of news. It's going to be a, a relatively short show tonight. That's always the kiss of death when I say that. But um, a couple of bits of USL news. Um, First off, it looks like FC Dallas is actually going to have a USL affiliate next year. Um, the quote was, we'll definitely have a USL affiliate next year. So that's exciting, I think, from a Texas rivalry standpoint. And it could potentially have some major effects on OKC Energy, um, who have had that Dallas affiliation for a few years now and, and kind of rely on it. So uh, any big thoughts about FC Dallas 2? Uh, <laughs> hopefully they're not named that. That's that was what I was about to say is as long as it's not another two team, I'm good. Like, good for them. <laughs> That's fine. Brand it differently. Do not give us another two team. There's too many of them. Or actually put it in Dallas. Like, and start oh, for yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, even even if they stuck it in between Dallas and Arlington, maybe that's maybe that's the ticket. Is you put it in Arlington team or something like that? Cowboys Stadium, right? Yeah, that's working for Indianapolis. Or or you put it in Fort Worth and you you cover both your sides there. So jokes aside, I actually feel like Fort Worth would be kind of the perfect place for it if there's a stadium for it because there's not any other professional team there. Um, TCU is there, but you know if you can kind of capture that side of the Metroplex and capture some of the more family oriented neighborhoods and, you know, suburban neighborhoods, if you will. I, I think that would be pretty cool. Um, personally. Agreed. Agreed. Let's yes. say, see what they come up with. Yeah. And that's a road trip I could actually make. So yeah. <laughs> uh, if it's, it's in Fort Worth, I feel like the traffic would be a little easier than Dallas too. So come on FC Fort Worth. Um, the other one uh, actually kind of stemmed a little bit from a Twitter question we got or a Twitter response that we got. Um, if you ever want to get your topics in here on what we should talk about each week, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Periscope, let us know. Um, but Aaron Reet writes in, what's your take on Jake Edwards saying that pro-rel within USL is a real possibility? Also sounds like an interdivisional USL Cup will also happen, which would be cool. Um, so I'll let you take the, the first part of that. Um, what's your take on potential pro-rel between USL and USL D3? Well, straight from Jake Edwards' mouth this week was a quote saying that there is interest to do it amongst the board. So they've been talking about it. I think it's an interesting topic um, with USL D3 coming into play now. There's a potential for it. Um, I'd just be concerned that those D3 teams with the parameters that they've set for them won't, I mean, they've got to meet D2 regulations as well. So they're going to need bigger stadiums and more infrastructure. And that could definitely be a holdup point, especially if it's potentially going to put into jeopardy our D2 status and division two status here in the United States with USSF. Um, I don't want to see that happen, Um, but it's, it's an interesting thought but I feel like it might be a little bit premature at this point. Yeah, I, I like the idea of ProRel a lot, um, but I don't know if it'll work right now in North America. I think we're still probably a couple of decades away. Um, the, the USLD3 announced its first team this year, its first founding member, um, Tormenta FC, yep. um, who is in South Georgia, right? Yeah, yes. South Georgia, uh, former member of the PDL. Um, so you're talking about a PDL team potentially moving up into playing, you know, FC Cincinnati or Tampa or, you know, some of these teams where, you know, USL, it, I don't know. I'm right there with you, man. Like, I, I think the concerns for me about – pro rel between uh usl and usl d3 are the same as my concerns from mls to usl where a lot of usl teams can't meet the division one standards and don't have any intentions on meeting the division one standards because it doesn't make sense for them financially so i i think it's a really interesting concept but there has to be some support from the league um obviously usl has partnered with many many different companies to basically have a fully constructed stadium ready for any team who wants to throw down the cash. Um, So maybe that's part of their strategy, but 
I, I think there's a lot of work to be done still, unfortunately. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't necessarily know that it's decades away, but, you know, in the next 10 years or so, maybe a possibility. I don't necessarily see it having to be 20 years down the road. I would hope we have enough growth in the leagues in the next 10 years to potentially talk about it further, but I don't yeah. think it's anything that's going to happen anytime soon for sure. Yeah. Um, so Aaron, thanks for writing in. I want to hit our, one of our other Twitter questions while we're here. I meant to talk about earlier when we were talking about San Antonio FC, but Joe writes in who should be SAFC captain. Um, I feel like we're probably going to see it thrown onto Rafa. I mean, if he's out there and he's playing Rafa is a perfect, perfect person for it. Um, Cochran would from people that are actually on the roster right now it would be rafa and cochran for me right i think if we ibiaga, both agree yeah. yeah if ibiaga comes back then he's another candidate for it week to week yeah and i'm not opposed to seeing it rotate on a regular basis either all three of those guys have the leadership skills uh to play that role for the team and i'm right there with you i think uh, it'll probably be greg cochran if ibiaga doesn't come back and you know rafa i don't expect him to get the kind of minutes that he's gotten in the last couple of years um, that central midfield's getting awful crowded. Um, so I, I would think it would be Greg Cochran or Rafa. They're the only two on the roster right now who have worn that, if I'm not mistaken, uh, worn the armband. Yeah. I believe um, you're right there. Yeah. So with Michael Reed gone with Ibiaga potentially gone to New York, um, I would think it would be Cochran. He's most likely to get the most minutes. Um, other candidates, like obviously this is, you know, there's chemistry there that we don't see as fans and as media and everything else. So uh, it's hard to say accurately, but just from an experience standpoint, um, you've got Cyprian Hedrick and Stephen McCarthy, both at center back right now who have a ton of experience and and have been with the club for one year and two years. Um, And you've got a lot of experience um, on the other end of the field too with Cesar who's been around San Antonio forever. And, you know, even though he's new Escalante is, you know, no um, rookie by any means. So even Restrepo could be a name to throw in the hat down the road, but yeah, I think we're, I think we're kind of nailing it down right there. Cochran's probably, you're probably right. Cochran will get it to start off, especially if Ibiaga doesn't come back. Uh, Did I just name like the entire starting 11? Was that my strategy? (laughs) We didn't say Gordon. I mean, oh, no, no way he gets it. Are you kidding me, Gordon? <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, so yeah, any anything else USL related other than the unfortunate news? Uh, well, other than expansion and retraction news, any other USL stuff that you want to chat about? No, I think we hit it all right there. Dope. So let's start out with some positive news because uh, we're getting into some expansion talk here about USL and MLS. Um, I think it's positive news anyway. Miami is finally fucking happening, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> um, the Miami Herald and several other outlets are reporting that um, everything has been lined up and Miami is ready to be um, brought into MLS finally after four plus years of drama (laughs) Um, we expect that announcement either uh, today Friday or uh, early next week so that's exciting in my opinion it's exciting the day I was seeing thrown around was Monday so Monday sounds no later than sometime in the next two weeks for sure but Monday sounds like it might be the day Um, but apparently they're bringing in one more new investor 
which may be helping to seal the deal there. So we'll see who that surprise investor is. (laughs) If there is one, I mean, who knows what this, this bid um, at this point, anything could happen. Yeah. It's or the rock right now. (laughs) Pitbull or the rock. Um, Same guy, right? So uh, I, I think it's really awesome that they found that the Moss brothers got involved. Um, For anyone who didn't know, the Moss brothers tried to get involved with the Miami Marlins um, they were denied in favor of Derek Jeter's shitty bid um, that's destroying the cities in Tristan baseball. But um, the Moss brothers pivoted and now partnered with David Beckham. And as great of a name as David Beckham is to have local ownership with pockets and something to prove, like they're going to want to throw the middle finger up to MLB, right? Like they're, they're going to want to throw Derek Jeter, you know, into the ocean and show like, no, this is what you missed out on Miami Marlins and MLB. I don't think it's going to be hard to pull that off either. <laughs> the Miami Marlins have turned into an absolute dumpster fire. As long as, my Beckham's bid and the Moss brothers bid um, includes no public money for the stadium. They should be good to go. Cause yeah. that is always going to be the biggest holdup down there in South Florida is public money for stadium. I would think if they're at the point where they're ready to announce it, that it's all privately funded. I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I hope that's the case. Otherwise uh, this whole thing could fall apart here. Yeah. That never happened. Right. <laughs> Um, let's talk also while we're talking about MLS, uh, Phoenix, they made some interesting news. You actually, uh, told me about this. I didn't see it. So do you want to chat about it? Uh, yeah. So Sam Doer, who used to be with, uh, the front office here out in in San Antonio, um, he's now with Phoenix. Um, he posted on Twitter this week that if you are a current full season ticket member holder or eight game package holder, um, you can start reserving your spot in line for first dibs on MLS tickets when they're apparently getting a franchise. <laughs> I, they're getting a little ahead of themselves here, but yeah, that's, I was, I wasn't expecting to see that this week on Twitter. That's bold. That's, <laughs> it's very bold. Like, I will say, I think Phoenix has a really solid bid and a really interesting bid. Obviously the biggest factor being like, can they host soccer at night and it not feel like it's 120 degrees um, which I've seen some stadium plans that propose to do that. But anyway, that's, that's bold. Like that's something Sacramento, Cincinnati, Detroit, obviously none of those other markets have uh, offered MLS placeholders before. That's pretty interesting. It, it's very ballsy on their part. I was very, very, very surprised to see that on my Twitter timeline this week. I, I didn't know what to think of it, to be honest, because nobody else is doing it. Not even the teams that are in the final four for bidding. I haven't heard anything about anything like that, where you can get in line now if you're a season ticket member holder to get first dibs at MLS tickets. Like, that's crazy. That's that's pretty baller like i i don't know what else to say about it but like all right cool like it's a lot of confidence on their part um i mean i guess there's nothing at stake right it's not like they're taking down payments specifically for mls it's tied to the usl season ticket holder right that that's what it sounds like It, it literally was like two lines worth of tweet 
you know, two sentences saying if you were a season ticket holder, you could put yourself in a placeholder in line. So the other fine print details like that, if you've got to put money down or anything, it didn't sound like you had to, but yeah, I guess there's always that, always that possibility, which would make it even worse. Like that's yeah. crazy talk, taking money for a team when you're not even a finalist for an expansion bid right now. Yeah. So we talked about the expansion. You ready to get to the retraction or potential reduction of teams um before before we get going i do want to say um boston's nwsl franchise uh reportedly folded tonight i saw that right as we were getting on to do the show so we don't have a lot of details on that um but if that's true and that drops nwsl down to nine teams i believe for the 2018 season that sucks and there's no excuse for for that for our the country that has arguably the best women's team in the world or historically the best women's team in the world. Um, we got to do better. And with the stars being gone, I would love to see San Antonio FC bring an NWSL team to San Antonio and give Houston a close rival. And there's so much good that could be done with that. But anyway, I don't mean to make that a whole uh, soapbox and I appreciate the Athenians and everything they do. Um, but for the top division women's league in North America, we have to do better than nine teams and one of them folding right before the season. That's an ASL shit. It's, it's, it's a tough situation. I, 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 we talked about this last week a little bit. Women's women's sports. It's, it's a tough sell a lot of the time. Um, you mentioned the stars leaving San Antonio that they, it just wasn't generating the revenue. Like I, I get it from a money side of things, but their team, the, the, the stars team was very competitive there for a few years here in, in San Antonio as well. And look what ended up happening with that happening with them. It, I don't feel like it bodes well for SAFC wanting to bring another women's team and another sport into the fold when top tier teams in that league are folding right now. Yeah, but that just doesn't bode well. I guess my point is like there should be ownership that can support these women's teams. And I feel like seeing how many fans come out for women's World Cup games and women's tournaments in general, like you'd think that there would be support for that for a league. Um I don't know. I I don't you know, know the financials, but you say that, you know, with women's world cup and it, I feel like it makes sense that there's more support there because then you're not pulling just from a single city. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not just looking at the people that are interested in Boston. You're looking at the people that are interested across the entirety of the nation. So it's easier to see that large following for them. I, I don't know. It, it's a tough situation. It yeah. really is. And isn't the Boston team owned by Robert Kraft? I mean, the money's there, right? I I could be wrong. I'm not 100% sure. I I could have sworn that Kraft was involved with that team. And if that's true, the money's there. So something else is going on. You know, the ownership support should be there. Yeah, I feel like if USSF is going to help out with any of the professional leagues, it should be the NWSL. Like, I feel like that's the one that needs it most. Obviously, USL teams aren't making, you know, ridiculous amounts of money or anything like that. But um, you just got to do better with the NWSL. It has to be better. There has to be a market for it. I know if the NWSL is in San Antonio or Austin or San Marcos or New Braunfels or, you know, somewhere where I could drive, I would go see it. And it's, Same for me. I'd go too. 
I really would. Um, it looks uh, like they're owned by Boston Women's Soccer LLC. So I do think that's separate from Kraft. But okay. Not sure, to be honest with you. No, I'm not sure either. So, <laughs> Like we said, that broke pretty late. We didn't get a chance to really look into that too deep. And I am not an NWSL expert, though I do uh, support the league um, from a, you know, I, I want it to thrive. I want it to be good. Um, anyway, let's let's get back to USL, our, more in our wheelhouse a little bit. Rochester. Uh, Rochester Rhinos potentially homeless in their season uh, season vacation here. Um, the city evicted them or is attempting to evict them from the stadium where they've been playing. Uh, the team does not own the stadium. They're leasing the stadium. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the city is saying that by not playing this season, the Rhinos are in violation of their lease agreement. Correct. They are in default of their lease agreement, according to the, the city. Obviously, the team is denying it, and they're going to be fighting it, but it's unfortunate that now they have to dedicate time, money, and resources to fighting a legal battle that they, they really don't need to have right. right now. You know, they're on a vacation because, because of money, and now they're going to – lawyers aren't cheap. They're going to have to sink money into fighting to keep that stadium, stadium agreement uh, valid for the future if they do decide to come back for the 2019 season. I just don't understand, like, what – why why if you're the city and it's paid for why do you give a shit if they're playing there or not this year like what else is going to go there unless there's another ownership group like knocking down the door trying to bring soccer to rochester i i haven't heard that but could be well i mean we obviously now i haven't looked at the 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 schedule to see what went down with that because prior to schedule release back i think it was in december in November when this was all going down originally, they did say that Capelli stadium was potentially going to be hosting USL games that weren't Rochester. Yeah. So I don't know, obviously if Rochester's not playing, they can have those games and they can put concerts in there and other events. It shouldn't affect it. You know, the lease agreements there, they're making their money and that's good. Good for the city. Yeah. Um, but obviously they don't feel the same way or there's something else that we don't know. Well, the last little bit here that we had to chat about, um, we've, despite saying that we weren't going to talk about it unless there was news, we've managed to talk about Austin every week this year. So we will keep the streak alive. Um, MLS to Austin is having some issues this week um, as several city council members are in support of removing parkland from the potential sites for an MLS stadium. Um, that changes things <laughs> to, yes, to put it lightly. That changes a lot of things because there were, to my knowledge, there were three sites that were still being considered. Um, the only one that was not parkland is near the domain, uh, which is not really in the urban core, definitely not downtown. Uh, no, it's not. It's, it's North of uh, North Austin. Um, it's off of Macala. I think that's the actual name for the yeah. the, the site. Um, but the quote that I read was Butler Shores and Guerrero Park are generating too much public outcry to consider giving up pub parkland for a sports venue. And that was from Ann Kitchen. Um, obviously, she was very vocal in the city council meetings that we've seen about verbiage and, and parkland specifically um, and who was going to be funding any infrastructure um, involved with that soccer stadium. So she's continuing to be very vocal now. 
um, about the potential for soccer in Austin on Parkland. Um, Kathy Tovo's following suit behind her. And I, I saw some things saying that they've got, they need five votes to Nick's Parkland and they've got, got four. four. Yeah. So they're, they're on the brink. There's a couple swing votes there that are still yet to be decided, but it does not sound great if MLS wants to have a stadium in downtown Austin at this point. Yeah. I, I, I've said this whole time that I think MLS will make Austin work no matter what. And uh, this is the closest I've been to saying maybe not um, because I don't know that they're going to want to get into the business of going into not necessarily suburbs, but not true urban core because that tells all their other expansion franchises that you don't actually have to be in that urban core. Um, <laughs> not a good situation if you're pulling for the relocation of Columbus crew to Austin, Texas. I, I feel like what happened, I know this isn't what actually happened, but I feel like what happened is those city council members opened their Twitter accounts for the first time in a few months and saw just a million hashtag save the crew posts uh, that they were tagged in. And they're like, Oh, Oh, people are a little upset about this. Oh, yeah. Finally, finally, finally opened their eyes and saw what was happening all around them. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's really interesting there. There's definitely some pushback from some Austin local Austin groups that are not MLS to ATX, um, the PSV run group. There's pushback um, where they're encouraging folks to write into the con to the Congress, to uh, the city council um, and express their support for the use of parkland for MLS stadium. But it'll be really interesting to see where that support levels out uh like where where the city council takes value from if it's the uh you know mls in austin sg and the local youth soccer leagues and that kind of stuff versus you know the not in my backyard guys and guys who aren't about that so i think there may be a battle here that um a lot of people called a lot of people said that you know austin wouldn't give up their parkland easy i think you said that even i did Um, that's that's where i've been standing this entire time those people in austin love their parkland their green spaces are a big deal up there throwing up a bunch of concrete in 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 one of the biggest ones especially downtown austin that's i think we all thought it was at least going to go to a vote though um that's my well it is it's going to go to a vote they're going to vote at the city council and nix it right off the bat (laughs) a public vote right (laughs) Um, i i think i think the use of parkland should be put to a public vote whether you know whether you are for it or against it i think the public should have a voice and it feels wrong to cut those sites from consideration without you know hearing the public voice like yeah you can get emails you can get feedback but let people fucking vote and you'll know for sure. (laughs) It's not rocket science here. Yeah. You're, you're totally right there. And it should come down to a vote, but the fact of the matter is, is that we knew the city council could always just levy the, levy the decision and, and make the decision for the people there. That was always a possibility that was on the table. A public vote was never guaranteed in this situation. And 
I think this makes a potential mid-February city council meeting a lot more interesting, especially if they are able to get those five votes behind the scenes. You could definitely see Ann Kitchen call for a vote, even though they haven't gotten all of the feedback yet about stadium sites. We could just see this killed right off the bat. And then they're up to McCalla. McCalla or bust? McCalla or bust. It's really... I don't know what happens if they can't relocate to Austin. I don't think they relocate to San Antonio. I don't think the Spurs have any interest in that. And I don't think that pre-court can stay in Columbus. They they could stay in Columbus, but they're going to have a, <laughs> a lot of making up to do up in that city. Hey, guys. Jesus. How's it going? <laughs> We're going to cut ticket prices in half. And <laughs> I put out a tweet today that maybe I shouldn't have, but I was feeling it at the time, that basically says the MLS to ATX group, the one that's run by Precourt, has done so many things wrong in this whole process and have just completely botched their branding, completely botched their message. And it sucks because there's a lot of local support that could have done it for them or helped them with it. And instead they tried to do it themselves and it's backfired. But the biggest misstep came out of all of this because uh, I believe it was Greeley that said, um, that specifically name dropped Columbus fans as influencing the Austin city council. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, <laughs> those are your, like, you're still there for 2018, bro. <laughs> like those are I, your customer base. For I feel like between this and what's happened with the players in Columbus for 2018, like, I just don't think he gives a crap. I think he's just, <laughs> Screw it. If nobody shows up, so be it. We're going to play the 2018 season. 2019, we're going to be in Austin. We're going to have a new fan base. We're going to make all these big signings. It's going to be amazing. New stadium, new everything. And God, now this is all (laughs) falling apart. It's going to bite them in the ass. That It was the most tone-deaf thing that I've heard a... heard someone in a position like that say in a while to explicitly blame the Columbus fans. That's a bad look, even if it's true, which I'm not saying it is, but if it was true, let it, let the millions of people on Twitter, you know, dictate that or, or, you know, there's plenty of other ways to get that message out rather than a public call to pit Austin against Columbus. That's a bad look. It's a horrible look. And how can you, as a city council member, sit there and see this stuff coming out of PSV and Greeley and stuff and want to do business with these guys when that's the kind of crap they're doing? Like, if they're willing to do it to Columbus, they're willing to do it to Austin. If if they kill the parkland, I can't imagine Greeley and PSV is going to have anything good to say about it. Will the the trash talk flow over that move by the city council? I, I do screw think, McCalla. I don't know. Yeah. I do think that PSV wants Austin. I don't, I don't believe that they're going to go to Austin and then jump over to California or anything like that. Right. Um, but it, yeah, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but it could have gone a lot better had other people been in charge or with other people in charge. And I don't know. I, I'm starting to waver on my, oh, yeah, it's a done deal stance. Um, we'll, we'll see. 
I did think it was interesting this week. If you're not listening to the uh, Planet Football podcast by Grant Wall, you are missing out on a quality soccer podcast that's free every week or two times a week usually. Um, This week he had Don Garber on, uh, MLS commissioner, and asked some pretty tough questions, some interesting questions. And part of that was about the potential move to Austin. And one of the things that stuck out to me was that Garber essentially confirmed that Austin is pre-court's only um, available option right now. Um, So the quote uh, from Garber is, we'll agree that all teams have uh, the ability to move to another market with league approval, but we're going to limit you to only one market. Um, and, And that one market was Austin. And that was because we had no expansion activity going on at that time, which was 2013, which yeah, uh, you had the Scorpions uh, pushing for MLS at that point, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, regardless, um, there was no expansion around the country other than that i guess man miami. That's such a shitty statement that would have been yeah. the beginning of miami starting right there yeah but the point coming away from that quote is that austin is pre-court's only available target right now and it doesn't sound like he has league approval because um upon purchase we said we'll agree that all teams have that with league approval but we're going to limit you to only one market uh, i guess it's a little ambiguous but I read that and I listen to that as him saying that they don't have legal approval, which would be another big change from what I assumed, because I assumed that, you know, that was the one place he had legal approval for. And and as long as he could get a stadium, he's good to go. Well, it'd be interesting if, you know, MLS, if pre-court goes through, jumps through all these hoops, um, let's say Butler Shores and Guerrero Park don't work out, but he manages to figure it all out with McCalla. Um, in the domain and gets approval for his stadium there, gets all the funding in place, gets everything. And then for MLS to step in and go, yeah, it's not downtown. That doesn't <laughs> work for us. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot still up in the air here and it's a bit of a surprise to me, honestly. I thought the drama would come when it came to a public vote, but for it to not even get that far potentially, that's pretty interesting. I know the next the next few weeks here leading up we got what three weeks so it's be like the February fourteenth or fifteenth could be why do I feel we're going to end up sitting there listening to ten hours worth of city council meetings in Austin again this in a few weeks get yeah, ready this time I think it'll be one of the higher priority topics um, so hopefully we'll get to it sooner rather than sitting through twelve hours of city council meeting nine o'clock at night that sort of shenanigans again oh. yeah. I'll bring the beers. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, anything else you wanted to talk about this week before we call it a night? I think that I think we're ready to wrap it up, honestly. Cool. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We really do appreciate it. Um, We're getting closer and closer to the MLS season and to the USL season. And, you know, that's going to be some big, big time moves. So um, thanks for sticking with us in the off season. And we're excited to bring you easier when the season's going on um you can follow along on social media at tx soccer radio uh, you can follow me at kyle underscore Mankey. you can follow larry at 
Larry Leathers 87. Um, make sure to uh, follow along with Hudson River Blue. Um, if NYC, FC, and SA are affiliated, which we kind of assume that they're going to be, um, just because we haven't heard otherwise, I'm going to be writing a potentially weekly piece for them, just kind of covering SAFC um, for any New Yorkers who are curious. So if you want, I don't know, whatever, or don't. It's a free country. Um, but that'll be fun. I'm really excited for that. Uh, music, as always, provided by Mission Complete. You can check out that album, Emotionally Strong Enough to Be Your Man, anywhere digital music is available. Uh, so until next week, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you later.